Before we start the show, I want to thank the thousands of you, the thousands who have read This Book Will Make You Dangerous. Many of you have told me that the book's unique way of exploring fear, confidence, and purpose has had a lasting impact, that it's much easier for you to get clarity and direction about what really matters and what you want to do in this lifetime. It's also amazing to hear that quite a few of you have read it multiple times and even bought copies for friends, so thank you again. Just in case you weren't aware, I created a free companion video course for the book. And in these videos, I walk you through the big takeaways and practices from each chapter. And I even cover some extra stuff that's not included in the book. Information on how to access the course is in newer versions of the book. And if you own an older version of the book and you don't know how to access the course, just hit me up via the contact form at triplinear.com and we'll get you all set up. And one last thing, if you're one of the thousands who have already read the book, please consider leaving an honest review on Amazon so that others can decide if it's right for them. Again, thank you so much for reading. This book will make you dangerous. And now let's start the show. You are listening to the new man beyond the macho jerk and the new age wimp. Your host is men's coach, Trip Lanier. Are you frustrated with your life and beating yourself up about it? Is your need for a foolproof plan or strategy keeping you stuck? And does your fear of what people might think about you have you playing small? Mark Quinn was a new man listener just like you. He was stuck in a dead-end job and he got sick and tired of bullshitting himself. He's been on quite a journey and now, now he makes a living focusing on women and their orgasms. Let's see what he's learned by stepping into uncertainty and following his passions. Before we start the interview, I want to set a little context. You're going to hear Mark and I discuss orgasmic meditation, or oming. If you're interested in learning more about this, then check out my interview with Nicole Daydone. That said, the point of this interview has nothing to do with orgasmic meditation or the One Taste community. I chose to interview Mark for two reasons. One, He's demonstrating how to stay true to himself and forge a path into uncertainty. And two, he's showing how life can exceed our wildest expectations when we allow ourselves to follow our curiosity. We're unable to imagine where our curiosity and passion may take us. That path is most certainly uncertain and scary. If you're feeling a bit lost or uncertain about what you want and where you want to go, then as you listen to this interview, I want you to consider that what may be right for you may be something you can't even imagine right now. The only way to arrive there is to start walking into the uncertainty. Let's get started. Welcome to The New Man. Today we're talking with Mark Quinn. I've known Mark for a while. Uh, I'm gonna, you're going to get to know Mark a bit. He's, he's had quite a ride. So uh, Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Chip. It's good to be here. Yeah, well, you know, we've known each other for, for a few years you were a listener. I'm trying to remember, how did we actually, um, how did we end up connecting? <laughs> I think you needed help with your website, and I just so happened to be a web designer. But didn't, weren't you, were you involved with any of that kind of men's work stuff that got kind of, with um, Alex Lindsley that got kind of blown up? Were you, were you a part of that at all? Oh, yeah. Alex Lindsley, he was on your show. Yeah, he, um, he and I connected just after he started this men's group at Oxford University, and um, I remember. I remember now. Yeah, I sent you an email, and I was like, "Hey, there's this guy, and he just did this thing, and I think you had him on your show like the week after." And, okay. All um, right. Yeah. There it we wasn't go. just web stuff. It wasn't just web stuff. All right. It was. That was later. Yeah. Well, paint the picture. What was what was life like for you then? Because you were listening to the show, you were a listener out there, just like all these other guys that are listening. But what was life like for you at that point? Yeah, it was, man, it was such an interesting one. Like I, you know, I'd, I'd always wanted something more from my life. Like I just always felt like there was something more available to me. But, you know, my job was I was a health and safety inspector working in supermarkets. What does that mean exactly? Like so you, you would go in and like make sure the meat wasn't rotting or like what? what? Yeah, it was, it was, it was way more tedious than that too. It was like, excuse me, but the underside of these counters are not quite as clean as they should be um, as per my PDA. <laughs> you know, it was glamorous. <laughs> <laughs> 
Not, humble beginnings. All right. So you're going around and you're and you're measuring mold on countertops and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um and but there's something missing. Let's talk a bit more about what what was the what was the, what kind of stuff were you telling yourself at that time? Life's life's missing something? What what else were you you know, running it, through your head? It was weird. It was like the, the constant thought in my head was I know I'm brilliant. I know I'm brilliant. I don't really? know how Yeah, I was like, I know I'm brilliant. I know I have potential. I know I can do something amazing with my life. I know it. Mm-hmm. But look at me. <laughs> and what were you seeing when you said look at me? Um well, I was terrified of women for a start. Mm. I was I was terrified of myself. Like I was just I was afraid to tell the truth because, you know, I thought the truth would just get me in trouble. Um I, I just I just didn't really believe in myself. Some part of me did. Some part of me was like, there's something in here that wants to come out. I don't know what it is, I don't know what it's gonna look like, but it wants to come out. And then on the surface, there was just this like really shy kid from Northern England who never really had a lot of confidence and, you know, would freeze up anytime my life got ever so slightly bigger, I would like freak out and do whatever I could to like clamp down on it. And, you know, I stayed like that for such a long time. And, um, you know, I, I tried so many different things like, you know, Christ, I, I did all kinds of courses and weird things and meditation retreats and, you know, it was, I was a seeker and I was incredibly lost and didn't really know which direction to go in. So, What kind of truth, when you said you, you, there was a truth in there that you were afraid it would come out, what was, what, what are, what, give me an example. What are you talking about here? I think it was kind of like I saw things. Like I, I kind of like had a certain way of seeing the world and I, I suspected that I wasn't wrong. Like I suspected that I had a certain way of seeing the world and I wasn't just some whack job who, you know, kind of like, you know, I kind of saw myself as this crazy conspiracy theorist. That was the way I put myself down. You know, I was wearing my tin hat, like I'm walking around. I'm like, <laughs> you know, like I'm kind of just a little bit crazy. Like, you know, I'd say something to someone and then and I downplay it straight away. Like, it was probably not true, you know, and and I just would like, I would take whatever opportunity I could to like keep myself small. So you would you would share something, but then minimize it. Yeah, yeah. Like it's probably not true, you know. You you are you're a cool person, you know. <laughs> I don't hate you at all. <laughs> and so it was this fear. You said something about just a minute ago, like you you would your life would get bigger, something would grow, but then you would clamp down on it. You would. You, what was that about? You know, looking back, I think I've realized that people get more scared when their life gets bigger than when it gets smaller. Um, you know. If my life would ever get bigger, like it would just feel like it was too much to have. Mm. And and so whenever it would grow beyond a certain size, I would just freak out. Like there was something drastically wrong. You know, it was like I had to just keep it small because I wasn't big enough to hold it being any bigger. And when you say bigger, give me an idea of what bigger would mean for you then. Bigger was like I actually talk to the girl that I'm attracted to rather than the one in the room that is easy to talk to. Mm. bigger is that I have a job that I'm inspired by and passionate passionate of whatever mm-hmm. the word is there you know like whatever it is that whatever it, you know what it's like whatever it is that I wanted you know if I could have what I wanted that was growing my life you know so I would and that was what was scary was having what was, you wanted versus what was available that was terrifying to me that was terrifying to me and I knew that I wanted more I just didn't know how to hold it Everything well, just felt too big. And in your world, like, well, I, I still want to understand why it would be terrifying to have what you want. So at that point, it, when you would actually start to get a taste of some of the things that you wanted, what was were you, you were afraid of? What what was going to happen in your in this imagination of yours? I think, you know, it's kind of like you know you've been driving like a you've been riding a, a bicycle your whole life, right? And then you're like riding down the road, and you're like man, I own this fucking bicycle. I am the king of the bicycle. I and got then, this. And then, yeah, I got this. And then suddenly, someone gives you a Harley Davidson and you've never ridden a Harley Davidson in your life and you're like, shit, I'm going to kill somebody with that thing or myself. Uh. So like you get your, you, you're like afraid to even turn the handle to like go a little bit faster. Okay. You're, you're afraid to even give, gain any speed in case you go totally out of control. So you're so you're complaining. You're not happy with your life. You're not how, how happy how things are going. 
But the reality is, is that the idea of you having what you want in your life is really scary to you. And is it, it sounds like it's just scary because it's just new. It's not in your comfort zone. I can imagine a lot of guys can relate to that. It's just different and it's new and it's not what you're used to. Absolutely. You know, I, you know, I was brought up in not a very rich family. Like I was okay with scarcity. I was okay with not having enough. Like that was my comfort zone. So doesn't mean you, you're happy, but that's just what you were comfortable with. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Big difference. Not. Big difference. That was comfortable, but it was not making me happy. Mm. But the bigger thing of like, you know, I, you know, I want a beautiful girlfriend. I want a job that inspires me. All of that stuff just felt like I knew that I had to be a bigger person to hold it. I knew that if I wanted the woman that I wanted, I'd have to firstly grow up. I'd have to be honest. I'd have to be able to handle her better. I knew if I wanted a job that I really wanted that, you know, I had to be more responsible. I had to actually hold things rather than like, you know, Christ, I've had some, I've had 30 jobs in my time trip. Like I've done everything from working in KFC to being a health and safety inspector to cleaning rat cages in Harvard University. Like I've done, I've done like the worst jobs in the world because they were easy to me. But the idea of me having to actually be responsible for something and to, and to do that every single day was like, you know, it was way outside of my comfort zone because, you know, I, I, I just was used to being small. Like it was just the way that it was just the way that I had been trained by the world or by my upbringing. Okay. And so there's this gap. There's who I want to be. There's this life that I want to have. Yeah. And then there's this thing that I do to make sure that I stay small in order to stay comfortable, but I'm not happy. And so that, that gap there is going to create some discomfort of its own. It's going to create its own tension. So what, what kind of things were you doing to manage that tension? Yeah, it's funny. I just remembered um, a show of yours from way back when you, in, you interviewed Brian Johnson. And he said that, you know, you have the, I think he said you have the place where you are and and in the place where you want to be and you're creating this like you you see how far they are apart and you feel the dissonance like the the things that like i felt that every single day and the things i was doing what did i do like i i became a hypnotherapist like i did training in hypnotherapy um i i went to landmark i did some courses there uh i did coaching with like three different coaches um and it was kind of like, I think after a certain time, um, yeah, it's funny, I go back and like a lot of the things that I got actually came from your show. I remember another thing where you said, or somebody said, you know, you create your environment for success. And um, this may have been Marcus Buckingham. I seem to have a huge catalog of your shows in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't know who said that. <laughs> I know, you're like, who's that guy? <laughs> But somebody said you create your environment for success and then you can step into that and like everything kind of, you know, you can kind of have your life be that way if you just create your environment the right way. Yeah. So for a certain amount of time, like I said to myself, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make myself so uncomfortable. I'm going to make myself so uncomfortable in the location that I am that I have to pop out of it. And okay. the, way, the way that I was doing that is I just infected myself with so many different things. Like I was like, I was reading a lot of books. I was going to a lot of courses. I would, I would go and do like, I would go to events that made me uncomfortable. Um, I would do coaching with people who were far too expensive for me. Like I just wanted to make it so uncomfortable to be small. So at some point you were very conscious that I've got to get out, I've got to be uncomfortable in order to, that. That, that was your thing. The battle was against this, this idea of being comfortable. So you got clarity yeah. around that. Okay. And then now, okay, I'm just going to make myself uncomfortable. Was it that arbitrary or did you have a sense of where to go? Because a lot of guys are like, oh, well, I need to figure out where I want to go and then I'll, go, I'll be willing to go get uncomfortable. But it sounds like for you, you're just like, fuck it, I'm going to be uncomfortable. <laughs> That's literally it. That's literally <laughs> what I did. Okay. I, really right. did, I didn't have any answers back then. I didn't really know where I was going. I just knew that I had to be bigger. Mm -hmm. And I knew that if I was able to be bigger, then I would see the, the bigger thing that I wanted. But my, my sight, it was like my, I was like Mr. Magoo, you know? Like I was wearing these big ass glasses and I'm like, 
what do I want in the world? And, and I would look around and I wouldn't know because I would only be able to see like these small snapshots of it. Mm. So I just, I don't know where I got it from. I just had this idea that like, I have to be bigger. And if I'm bigger, I can see the bigger things. So I knew that the only way to do that was just to be incredibly uncomfortable. Well, I just think it's, I, I just want to underline that for the guy that's listening is a lot of, a lot of us are waiting for the path to show up and then we're going to gauge whether or not we want to go and, and bother doing it to take the risk or to, or the, you know, to go through the discomfort. And I, I just, I think it's really amazing that you, you flipped it and said, look, once I get out of this comfort zone, this thing, this kind of bubble that I'm in, then I trust that I'm going to see something bigger. I'll see something beyond that. But first I've got to get out of this way of doing things. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I had to do. I had to do the things that were apparent to me at the time. Like I had to talk to. I had to be okay with talking to the people I wanted to talk to, or like chasing after. You know, even just like the little things that I wanted. Like, you know, I want a different job, and being able to be like, I'm going to be so ruthless with myself that this is what I want, and I'm going to go after it. Now, were you were you friends with yourself at this time, or was there a lot of negative self talk? I mean, when you wake up in the morning and you just start beating yourself up because that's kind of that's a pattern of the self development jackass. Sounds like you know we could head down that road. Were, yeah. Was there was there a voice in you? Were you were you more supportive, or or was this a, a time where you were really beating yourself up? You know, I think this was a time where I just decided enough was enough. Um, you know, I'll tell you the story. Like I met this woman one weekend. And this woman was completely amazing to me, like completely amazing to me. She would go to a place and say, I'm going to leave this place next Tuesday and I don't know where I'm going. And then on like Sunday or Monday, she would somehow get this message of where she was going. Like someone would say, you want to come with me to this place? And she'd be like, sure. And when I met this woman, I just decided that like, this is the way I wanted to live. Like this was the way that I wanted to live. And I, I made a lot of decisions after meeting her that really, really did shift a lot of my, um, my ways of being like my self-talk was so negative on myself. Like, you know, I mean, a lot of personal development is I have to be better. Yeah. It's like, I, the only reason why I'm reading this is because I don't like who I am now. So I, and once I get to be exactly. this other person, then I'll actually like myself. So it's a trap. You know, I, I see a lot of guys get into it. Yeah. And so I was so not in approval of who I was. And, you know, I had gifts, like I had things to offer the world, but I would always say that they weren't enough. So I was never able to operate from what I had. I would always be like, no, I have to be something else before I can even move. And yeah, it was a huge trap and it got me stuck for such a long time. And there just came this point where um, I just had to decide, like, I can either keep killing myself for not being this amazing visionary that I want to be, or I can just be like, no, I'm this humble guy who inspects mold on countertops and, and wants a bigger life. Hmm. That's a big shift there. So there was something about just accepting who you are, including your desire to make it something better. Yeah. All right. I, I, I don't, guys, if you're listening, listen to that part again, because it... It's this. Um, it's such a big deal, and I know it's hard. It's really hard, but it you know it's, it's it's just so critical that we feel like we're an ally to ourselves, even if we're not happy with where we are, even if we see where we want to go. Um, but but treating ourselves as if we are the biggest liability and we hate ourselves and that kind of stuff, it's only going to perpetuate that 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 not enough thing. So I'm really glad you you brought that up. I do that to myself. It's a trap that I can get into. Yeah. Um, and I just, uh, I'm glad you, you named that because it's, if I'm working with somebody, that's the first way we got to start is like, if they're beating themselves up, we just can't, can't start there. Exactly. You can't, I don't think anyone can move from that place. Like you, you have to stop hating yourself and hitting yourself because. And so you know, was it, was it her? Was it, was it the influence of this, of this woman that, that helped you shift in there and just see another way that you wanted to live? How did you, how did you make that turn then? Um, <laughs> So I had this other thing that I was doing that um, that was kind of in the. It was my. It was part of my creating my environment to make it very uncomfortable to be in. So I would listen to New Man podcast episodes every single fucking day. <laughs> that sounds really I uncomfortable s- for me. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right. 
Like I listen to I listen to your shit like every single day. Like I would I had these drives. I had to go to supermarkets in the countryside for Christ's sake. I would go into the middle of no man's land in countryside England and you, your voice was playing to me the whole time. And um But what I was would, that doing for you? You know what? It was inspiring me that something else was possible. I, I just wanted to infect my brain with with something other than my own negative bullshit. And I, you know, I just, I was getting so much out of listening to people who had made it. Like people who had been like, you know, I'm successful, maybe not in the ways that, um, maybe not in the ways that the world would say I'm successful, but I'm successful and I'm proud of who I am. And so I just listened to that stuff every single day because I knew that that was the person that I wanted to be. Like, I was like, I listened to all these people and I'm like, I want to be one of those guys. Like, I want to be one of those guys who can talk with confidence, believe in themselves, and, and know that they can make a difference in the world. Mm. So I would quite literally, inf- I don't know why I say the word infect, but I would infect my negative mind with this positive stuff that, that had me believe that I really could do it. And, you know, I must have listened to the. You, did, you had a show with Stuart Davis. I must have listened to that like 10 times. I, I pretty much know word for word what he says. There's even a joke about a bee in the beginning. Like, you know, there were like so many things that for me to get just from that one episode. And, um, you know, eventually like I started to, I started to operate my world from that place. Like the more and more I listened to it, I would just find myself, like he said something very brilliant to me uh, to, on the show. He said, the world doesn't give the cool projects to pussies. And that one line has remained with me to this day. What did that like mean that, to you? It was like I needed to step up and put some skin in the game if I was going to have anything cool to do with my, with my life. Mm. Like I was going to have to make some kind of sacrifice before I even knew that I would get the reward. And, you know, I, I let this one sit with me for such a long time. And, listening to that and then meeting this woman and I actually decided I was like okay I'm gonna make a leap and what happened was this awful job that I hated from the first day I got back from meeting this woman and I was like the universe doesn't give the cool projects to pussies and I quit my job and just like that (laughs) literally just (laughs) like that I was like, I'm done. I know there's something else. I know I've met this woman at the right time. I know I, there's something else here for me. Wow. And I had the funniest little little coincidence. There were three days, it was three days later. And I was in the supermarket and I was I was like, you know, I was kind of having cold feet. I'm like, uh, should I really quit my job? And I said, okay. I, I stopped for a minute and I said, okay, universe, give me some idea. Should I quit my job? Should I just should I just quit my job and leave that and you know is this the right thing to do? So I got back on my work, I carried on with my day, and I get home. That night I get in and there's a letter for me from my job, and they they wrote this this letter to me to say um, you are required to complete a three month um, self learning program in what was it called um, commercial audit auditing for the commercial sector. I have to do this three-month course in my own time outside of this job that I hated. And the first words out of my mouth were, hell fucking no. (laughs) Not on your goddamn life am I doing this stupid course. And I stopped. And I stopped. And I was like, there's my answer. And the next next day I handed my my notice into my job. And that was it. Like I had, I worked for a few more weeks and I was done. And, um... You know, it was it was the biggest jump I'd ever made. Like, but the funny thing was, it felt like the first time I actually stuck up for myself. Wow. There was something that was severely making me miserable every single day, and I just decided, you know, enough is enough. And mm. and you know, the 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 most difficult part of that was I actually dealt with a lot of a lot of stuff with my parents at the same time. My mother didn't speak to me for a month. <laughs> you quit your job and that was why she wasn't speaking with you yeah i okay. she, i quit my job and she was so worried for me that she couldn't speak to me for a month because she was so mad hmm. 
And it was one of those things where I would wake up every day and it was like my whole body was bursting into flames. And I was like, should I call her and tell her I'll take the job back? And I'm like, no, I can't do that anymore. And for every single one of those days for that month, I sat in that sensation. And it was, I look at it now and I'm like, I feel like I was burning off all of the shoulds that I've ever had in my life in that one month. Yeah. And, you know, it was an intense location to be in, I tell you, because I adore my mom. I adore my parents. Like, they're, they mean the world to me. And to not speak to them for a month was so difficult. Yeah. But I was like, you know, there's some way that I felt I was sticking up for myself. And, you know, that for me, for some reason, you know, I, I sound like a crazy whack job and, you know, for doing it that way. But that for me was the thing I had to do. It's interesting because you talk about stepping off into the unknown, making that leap, but it was, we haven't gotten into the, that uncertainty yet, but what you're saying, the most immediate part was just letting go of part of the, part of the reason you were holding back was the approval, needing the approval of, of your mom, of your parents. Yeah. It, it played such a big factor and I didn't realize it just until that this had all happened. Mm. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't want to upset anybody. Mm-hmm. I wanted everyone to see that I was making it. Okay. But but I knew I wasn't. All right, so you sat in that you in you know a lot that's a, that's a long time. You know, you don't you don't have a job and yeah. and so what were you doing that month when you say you were sitting in that and sitting in that sensation? What what were you doing with your time then? Um The funny thing was um is that <coughs> excuse me. Um the funny thing was is that at that time I was just starting to learn about internet marketing. Um, you had Clay Collins on your show. Mm-hmm. And um, you had Clay Collins on, and I started to connect with him. And I, I did one of his internet marketing programs, his first one, Project Mojave, old school internet marketing program back in the day. And um, I just started learning stuff. I was like, you know, I want to, this looks fun to me. That's, that's, literally the, that's literally the thought that was in my head. This looks fun. I think I could enjoy doing this. So just following your curiosity, following your, your amusement, let me see where this takes me. Exactly. And I became obsessed with like how to market to people online. Like I was obsessed. It was crazy. I'd never give a crap about marketing or any of that stuff. But it was like the first thing to catch my interest. And I was like, cool, it's cheap enough. I'll, I'll jump on board with that. And so that's what I started doing. Like, and that's like were I, you driven by like, here's a tool that I can use to make money and support myself? Or was it more of like, holy shit, what's this whole world? What was really driving you? Was it, was it really your amusement or was it, I got to make a bunch of money now? Because I can, I can see where that could be driven by fear. Totally. But the, or the, the scarcity, I should just say, you know, that you were still, that you were trying to get away from. Yeah, I definitely did feel scarce around money because I was about to lose my job. <laughs> so, right. you know, I... I definitely felt like I needed something to kind of step into. Um, so, but the, at the same time, you know, it, it was not one of those like fear-based decisions where it was like, <gasps> buy me the quickest get rich quick scheme. You know, like I didn't feel the need to kind of, you know, run and do something else. I saw this thing and I was like, wow, that actually, that actually feels good. Like that actually looks like it could be fun. So I, you know, that took me a week as well. I'm a slow, I'm, I'm really a slow learner trip. Like, you know, I, I get the insights and I take a few days of like, oh my God, should I really do that? And then I saw Project Mojave and I jumped and into that too. And, you know, that, that really opened up a whole other world for me. And over the space of, I would say the next two years after this, like I became a web designer for internet marketers and worked with some really big names like really really big names in internet marketing and it just came from this this little place of me just wanting to know more about how to do cool shit on the internet also driven by money well i would just want to say like it also demonstrates if you're talking if you were working with big names that flies in the face of who you were so you were you know you were in contact with people were you contacting them you know what was the process for you was that scary like shit i want to work with this guy i want to contact with him or oh my gosh this this person's introducing me to so-and-so. How did that work for you? Um, it, was, it was really interesting. A lot of them actually came through. Um, I, I formed quite a good friendship with Clay. And he, you know, at the time, 
I'd really dealt with a lot of stuff around pornography um, in my own path. And I decided to have this project around building a website to help people with an addiction to porn. And so, you know, he was inspired by my passion and we became friends and I started doing some work with him. And then eventually uh, he sent all of his friends to me. Hmm. so kind of by accident I became a web designer and I was like no I want to do this porn addiction thing like I really I really did believe in it and I really do still believe in, in helping people with that thing but at the same time I, it was a slow start well I'm just me. imagining how that would even come out like that's a demonstration of you being willing to, to live large and I, I, you know I want to slow down and really underline something here because that's the vulnerable place. If someone were to know that I, that I struggle with porn addiction, then they may not like me. They may not want to work with me. But what, what happened here was that you were willing to, to bring that and talk about that with Clay. And that opened the door for like, look, I'm inspired to help this guy now. I believe in what he, what, he, what he wants to bring. And I can imagine if a guy is living small, feeling like his life is small, chances are it's because he's not bringing enough of what's really going on for him in his life. You know, Simon Sinek talks about, we don't, we don't buy things for, for what they do. We buy the reasons why, why they're, why they're created. And yeah. it's, it sounds like Clay was really, that's where he made that connection with you. And that's where he was willing to introduce, um, introduce you to other people. He introduced me to you. That was the second time that I had come across you. So I remember that. Um, yeah. Okay, I just it's just so powerful because you you're kind of it'd be easy for us to gloss over the ways that you were taking those daily steps to live larger life and that means even bringing some of the things you would really want to hide from people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, porn porn was such a toxic thing in my life. I mean, it really was. It, it caused so much wreckage and it caused a lot of relationships to fall apart because you know, it was my way of kind of keeping small and and disconnecting. So, you know, it was such a, I remember the day that I decided that was what my, my project was going to be, that that's the website I was going to build. I remember just sitting there and being like, oh my God, you know, it was, it, when it occurred to me, it felt so right. And the first thing through my head once again was like, what will I tell my mother? <laughs> <laughs> Oh Mom. no, mom's gonna hear about this one, right? Yeah, ex exactly. I'm gonna have to tell her it's yeah. funny now and and all of this. And that How'd was that go. Oh, it was it was intense. It was difficult. But you know, she was actually very supportive of it for me. Mm. Like she really was supportive of it. And, you know, I think the transition that I went through of quitting my job, I actually helped she she said to me. You finished me off because I realized I spent my whole life worrying about other people and not about myself. Wow. And so it served her for you just did. to live your life. She, you guys got kind of unhooked from each other, that enmeshment or something. It did. And our relationship hasn't been the same since. Like it's so, it's so much more connected and beautiful because of that. And because she knows that this is my life, this is my path. And she does whatever I can, whatever she can to support me through it. So. That's so you know, amazing because I, I want to interrupt yeah. again because so many of us, are, we can't imagine any other, anything other than the conflict. There's the immediate conflict because something's going to change between me and mom or whomever, and we don't see that there's another possibility on the other side of it, so that, that's another reason why we play small. Um, and I can imagine you couldn't even, I, I, you can't even imagine that that was possible, that this would bring you closer I had no idea that would bring us closer. I thought she would just be mad at me forever for, for doing that. But, you know, it really transformed our relationship. And as you say, like, it unhooked us. Like, we were able to have our own lives from that point on. Mm. And I never knew that was possible. But I, I feel grateful to myself that I, I gave that possibility yeah. of a relationship to, our, to me and my mother. Wow. All right. So, you're stepping yeah. into this. You, you're, you're trying to create an online offering uh for porn addiction yeah another edgy thing wow like you could have you know done i don't know house cleaning or something. <laughs> <laughs> there were other search terms you could have chosen exactly <laughs> other All niches the, the health and safety market yeah <laughs> yeah you could have done mold kind of products but uh no you went with porn addiction okay i and tried then, i tried to look for something simpler but i was like nope this is it <laughs> just more right like where's the fear i'm gonna step right into it i'm gonna go right there there's more wholeness on the other side were you aware of that at that time or was it still just like oh crap 
Um, I, you know, I don't know. I, I knew that it just felt right. Like it just felt like it was the right thing to do, probably because it was scary. Probably because whenever I, I couldn't think of anything else. Mm. I think that's what it was. I think I just could not think of anything else. And even when I tried to be like, no, I'm also good at this. I could also do this other thing. I could help people do more organized or whatever. Like, I just couldn't stop thinking like, oh my God, I can make such a difference with porn addiction. Wow. I love it. And, and I, you know, there's a thing here, like when we bullshit ourselves for most of our life, we start to really become aware of it more and more. It's like, it's, it yeah. becomes harder to bullshit ourselves. Um, we yeah. just know that taste and like, okay, here's the truth. The truth is I could do this and that this is what it would really serve me and, and possibly serve a lot of others. Um, and then when anything else comes along, I just, there's that taste of bullshit again. Um, yeah. All right. All right. So you're stepping into that. What, what happened next? So after that, um, well, it was one of those things where I kind of just had to let go a little bit. And the porn addiction thing, I actually had that going for a few months and it was such an intense market to, to, for me to crack. Like it really was. And what was happening was the clay had a lot of clients for me and I, I was just like, bring it on. Like, I, you know, for the first time I had the opportunity to make real money. And I remember this one conversation with him where he was like, hey dude, I have this woman. She's awesome. Um, she has a big following. Uh, how much would it cost to do this? And I'm like, oh, um, I can do that for $50. And he's like, whoa, no. You need to charge like 300 for that shit. And I was like, I'm going to charge 300 for it? And then, I don't know, I got, I got lit up by the opportunity of actually making some real goddamn money. And You started to really get the value of what you were doing. <laughs> yeah, and I was making such a big difference to, you know, to people that he would send my way. So I started charging more than I've ever charged for anything before. And like I helped I helped really big names to like really get out there and um and to get a wider audience. Like I'd help people to get more people on their email list and um have more beautiful websites. Like all of these different things, you know, I just and I, I enjoyed it. Like it was so much fun. And so there was this part of me that was like, no, should I let go of this porn thing? Should I keep doing it? What should I do? And then there was also this way that was like, no, I, this actually feels like it's more fruitful. Like there's more, there's more movement here. Like I'm moving faster. Like my life feels bigger here. So after a few months, um, I actually had a few of my clients from the porn addiction thing carry on with me for several months after that. But I actually did shift to web design and I did that for two years. And, you know, I had the most fun. Like I had so much fun. Like the people I worked with were just amazing. Um, and, you know, I got to see what it was like running my own business. Mm. And, you know, that was, that for me, I never thought was possible. Like I never thought I could be responsible enough to run my own business. Wow. Um, so yeah, it was a really big transition in that way. Like it really did, it really did kickstart something for me. And for the next two years, like, you know what? I just needed to earn some money for a while. Like I just enjoyed like having a little bit of money and it was kind of like I could just take my time with things and enjoy life for a change. And that's what I did. And really get the sense of I support myself. I support myself doing how, doing things the way that I want to do them, et cetera. But it sounds like you, you just gave yourself an opportunity to really land in that place. Yeah, it really was a transition. Like I had to get comfortable with a lot of things that I wasn't comfortable with. You okay. know, I, I remember so it's not just this constant push, 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 push. You gave yourself that space to like, okay, I'm in this next level. I'm gonna yeah. enjoy this for a while. I'm gonna learn how to operate at this level. Yeah, okay. yeah. I stayed. I stayed there for two years, and then that peak ran out as well. <laughs> and how did you know that it was running out? What was your experience? Because we can tell ourselves, well, now that I've made it, I'm done. A lot of people imagine this velvet rope kind of thing. Like, well, that's it. Um, I, you know, I'm no longer in that place, so I must be done here. But what was your experience that was telling you, okay, this is, this is, I'm, I'm finishing up another phase? Uh, I realized how bored I was. Like the things that used to excite me were no longer exciting to me. And, you know, I, I started to get, I started to get a lot of the same clients. Like I started to get a lot of, um, life coaches who talked about 
helping you find their purpose, but they were terrified of themselves. Um, I started to just get a lot of people where I was like, you know, I, I'm just bored of this. You know, after two years, like I, I'd gone on such an amazing peak. Like I, I, I'd gone traveling, like I, you know, I had all this fun, like I dated women that I wouldn't have been able to date before. All of these things had happened. And then, you know, there was just this time where it was like, there's something else that I, I don't have yet. Like there's something deeper that I want and I haven't touched it. I thought I would get it from financial freedom being a web designer, but I haven't got there yet. And that was, that was difficult for me to admit because I worked hard hard to get what I was like I worked very hard for that business but I just knew I knew it was coming to a close okay and so what did that mean what 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 were you looking for this time what were yeah what 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 was the solution you imagined you needed I had this um I had this funny thing I do not know where it came from I don't think it came from your show but I had this funny thing that popped into my mind all the time that said you know when I learn how to really handle a woman I know my life is going to be exactly as I want it to be. Mm. And that was just this crazy thought that was kind of sitting there in the back of my mind. Like I had more of the connections that I wanted, but something wasn't quite all the way there. Like I, I wanted more from my relationships. I dated so many women where it would last, you know, they were beautiful, amazing women. And after a few weeks, I was like, no, she's really not what I want. I don't feel that deep of a connection to her. And when you say handle a woman, what what does that mean? What did you imagine? What what did it look like? Okay, I know how to handle a woman now. What would you imagine having? It was kind of like the ability to play on her terrain. So, you know, rather than rather than playing the nice guy with her, rather than playing small with her, or all those little places I wasn't willing to be honest, I wanted to know how to be completely honest with a woman and have her feel turned on by it. I wanted to know how to have amazing sex with her and to feel that level of connection with her. Like I wanted to know that I could really go up to a woman and get inside of her world and deeply connect with her and, and that I could have a profound impact on her and she could have a profound impact on me because I'm o- able to open up enough. That's really what I'm, I think I mean by handling is just being able to play, like not getting knocked out or trying to have her come over to my masculine side and be like, you should be this way or you're a pain in my ass and therefore you should stop. You know, I wanted to be able to play with a woman on her terms. It's not enough. You know, for a lot of us, it's not enough. You know, I can imagine, well, if I'm not getting dates, I just want dates. Oh, great. I'm getting dates. Yeah. Now I want to, okay. Yeah. Now, now I want to be able to have sex. Okay, great. Now I'm able to have sex. But then it's this point. It's like, wait a second. I actually will really want to be able to connect. I really want to be able to just go beyond the, su- the superficial stuff. And yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And I didn't know how to do that. I really had no clue how to do that. Sure. Okay. And then? And then you had Nicole Day Doan on your show. And I remember you titled the show, Give a Woman a 15-Minute Orgasm. And I remember I just finished up the day and I was like, I was like, oh, what should I do? I have nothing to do tonight. And then I saw your, the email popped up and it says, give a woman a 15-minute orgasm. And my first reaction was, what a load of crap. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that is the worst headline this guy has ever had. Jesus Christ, the quality of the show has really gone downhill. <laughs> and knowing you, you probably sent me some nasty email. Um, <laughs> I probably, yeah. If I hadn't have listened to it, I probably would have. <laughs> But I listened to it and, you know, if people go back to that show, you still see my comment there. I occasionally just go back and like, this is where it all began. And, you know, I, I listened to this and the thing that I found compelling is that we're, it was a woman talking about a woman's orgasm. And I thought when you said, give a woman a 15 minute orgasm, that you were going to get some two schmucks on your show who'd been in college and got drunk one night and figured out how to fiddle with a woman's clit and get her off and they were going to talk about it on your show <laughs> give, give me a little more credit <laughs> i know i'm so harsh to you i know <laughs> have i steered you wrong before <laughs> exactly <laughs> all right go for it 
So yeah, so I listened to this show and I was so compelled by it and it was so she was so humble in the way that she talked about connection and orgasm and sexuality. So I watched her TED talk on on her website. Um she owns a company called One Taste. So I watched the TED talk and there was one line in this TED talk. It was the very very end line. And she said that Dalai Lama said that western women will be the next people to change the world. She said I want to change that slightly. She said, it is turned on women and the men who dare to stroke us that will change the world. And the moment I heard that line, my whole body got hot. And I didn't quite know why I had such a reaction to that, but I was so clear that this was what I was meant to do. And just got so, the download right there. This is it. I was just like, this is the next thing for me. <laughs> this is another awkward conversation to have with my mother. <laughs> Poor mom. <laughs> I know, my poor mother, Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. So so yeah, so I you know, I I I called Alex Lindsley. You know, I actually called Alex Lindsley, the guy who'd been on your show, and I said, Alex, and I literally said this to him. Alex, do you want to come to San Francisco and learn how to stroke a woman's clit with me? <laughs> and he said, Sure. Sure, let's do it. <laughs> So we decided to go together, and um, I went to learn the practice of orgasmic meditation, and that's what I did for that's what I did for three months, and um, and I learned how to cultivate a woman's orgasm in my body, and you know that was quite a that was quite a life transition. <laughs> so what did say. you feel? What did you feel shift in you? Because I I can appreciate, you know, there's a there's a. <clears throat> There's a slippery slope here where it can go into machismo and this kind of self-aggrandizement, and, and but there's there is a, a real sense of power that comes along when we when we understand women a little better. We understand how to really serve a woman. Um, I'm not familiar with orgasmic meditation other than what I've I've talked with Nicole Dadeon on this show. But what did, what did you find out about yourself through that process? Ah, uh, the first thing I think is that I'd always known that I was a I was a feeler like I always knew that I was a feeler that I felt things in my body that I couldn't explain and what this practice gave me was it was kind of like an, um, I still see it this way I still see that it's a meditation for your emotions like I become more aware of what I'm feeling and I be I also cultivate my ability to feel people and you know, I would have loved to have even the slightest bit of machismo when I did this practice, when I first started, but I was terrified. Like, I was so very terrified of it because for a woman to be as vulnerable to lie down and take her pants off and have me stroke her clit without any kind of goal for 15 minutes was was so vulnerable for me as well, you know, to, to do that. And, um, you know, I I think I just found out and during those three months that I was there, that I could feel other people. And, and when you say I could feel people, I know that, that there's a literal feeling <clears throat> going on, but what do you, what do you mean yeah. that you could actually feel people? You know those times when people walk into you and they're like, and you're like, how are you doing? And they say, oh, I'm doing great today. And you know that they're bullshitting. Well, I feel as though I've cultivated, I, I, I started to cultivate this ability to kind of see, be, see what people were really feeling. And all of these little subtleties of their emotions changing started to become louder and louder in my body. So I'd be talking to someone and there'd be a moment where they'd check out and I'd be like, you okay, did you go somewhere? And they'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, I just started thinking about this thing. And I started to become really, really acutely aware of other people in a way that I'd never been able to be aware of before. Because I was so used to just being in my head. Mm. I was a feeler. I would feel things. I wouldn't know what they meant. But I was never able to kind of direct my compass in any kind of direction to, you know, to break through that, to penetrate it. So, Well, let's you know, bring that back to the porn addiction because you talked about yeah. how porn was a way to disconnect. And I, but I can imagine on the surface, oh, of course, the porn addiction guy finds a way to, to get his lollies off with women. Um, you know, this is the, the ignorant person speaking. How, how, how is that, yeah, kind of walk us through the differences there between having your, your, your afternoon 
um, consumed with porn versus your afternoon spent um, uh, working with women in this way? Yeah, <laughs> it was a different kind of uh, it was a different kind of reality. I think um, what I started to realize is there was something that I was looking for in the porn. <clears throat> There was some kind of feeling that I wanted. And I think the feeling that I've started to realize it was now is I was looking for a connection. And it wasn't necessarily a connection to somebody. It was just, a, it was just being connected to something, something greater than myself. And, you know, it became, it started to become much more compelling to connect with people than to isolate, go lock myself in my room and beat off to porn. And, so over a certain amount of time, like this, it just got, it was, you know, it was funny where the place where it was so uncomfortable to be that intimate with people became the place where it was more pleasurable. It was not necessarily comfortable, but I wasn't as bothered, bothered at this point about being comfortable. I was more bothered with like, this actually just feels really good. Okay, it's a little intense, but suddenly I started to be able to, I was able to get off more on being uncomfortable. And I realized the more uncomfortable I was in certain situations, I would have more fun. Like I would have the most tremendous fun the more nervous I was. And, you know, I'd never been able to get to that place before. Oh. Yeah, I could imagine, you know, the whole playing small is how do I stay comfortable? That's, that's, the, that's the umbrella that we're under. What do I got to do to stay comfortable? What do I have to do to stay in my certainty and what I know and what I can control? Yeah. And you're saying now, well, wait a second. I can expand my capacity to be with discomfort. And that's where I'll actually find the most pleasure, the most enjoyment. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it really transformed a lot of my relationships because, you know, let's face it, women make us uncomfortable. Like, you know, they, they have a lot more energy than men do for the most part. Like they're just more turned on and they're more playful. And, you know, I think a lot of men, when we're approaching women, like, we're so used to kind of contracting in the face of that sensation, except I was learning how to be open to it. And so what was happening was, you know, I would go out to a nightclub and whereas before I would go and talk to the girls who were comfortable, I was comfortable with, I'd actually learned to, the way I like to say it is I got off on being uncomfortable. Like I actually got off on it. So I would go and talk, to, I would literally look around the room and be like, okay, who are the most turned on scary looking women in the room? And I found myself walking up to them and, and dancing with them, and, which was even more terrifying because I'm a horrible dancer. <laughs> so I'm, I'm dancing like some kind of disco dad on the dance floor, and they're laughing their ass off at me. And I don't even care because I'm having so much fun. <laughs> you got over yourself. I did. I did. It was, it, was, it was actually very humbling. Like It really was very humbling to say, you know, this... This is, this is who I am now. I can actually enjoy people for the first time in my life. I was so dying to enjoy people. Mm. People were annoying to me. <laughs> they really were annoying to me. I, didn't, I couldn't quite figure them out. But I found a place in myself that really enjoyed them and was totally okay with being uncomfortable with them. And that was, and that was really, and you're saying that learning this practice with women was what yeah. opened the door. That you were able to take that into all these other interactions in the world. Absolutely. So it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go learn some tricks that I can perform in the bedroom and maybe I can l try and lure a woman back there and then wow her with this. It was something that you, something transformed in you and that allowed you to show up in a different way out in the world. Yeah, it did. It did. And, you know, I, I came back to London and I felt like a different person. Like, I, I didn't know who I was because I felt so big. And, there was something about this practice that had me leaving, that had me feeling so much bigger than I thought I was before. Well, that was what you've been avoiding. Was it scary? Was it un was it as uncomfortable as you imagined being as big as you were? Oh my god, it was the most awesome feeling in my, <laughs> of my life. It was like I feel big, and I felt bigger than everybody. Like it, it was unreal, just how how it, how it was because. You know, I'd been in this environment where everyone was bigger than me in San Francisco. I went to where I went to learn. And then I get home and I walk around and I'm like, oh my God, I feel like I can talk to any person on this street and be totally comfortable and present with them. Mm. And I'd never felt that before. Freedom. Total freedom. It was amazing. And so you're and back in London. What, in, how do you, where do you create a life from there? 
Well, the first thing was, I was like, oh my God, I've just gone and learned this crazy practice. I can't not do this anymore. Like everything was different. I, I, I was like, I just learned how to stroke pussy. This is the world. How can I stop doing this? But there was nobody in London. So I was like, all right, well, what am I going to do about that? So I was like, okay, I'm going to tell every person about orgasmic meditation. I'm going to find a partner. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know how I'm going to get some strange woman to come and lie down with me and have me stroke her clip for 15 minutes. Without but going I'm, to jail. Without, exactly, without <laughs> going to jail. Without awkward phone calls happening afterwards. Okay. So what happened was I started to just go out and tell people. I went on, this, I went on a tantra course. I, I never, ever thought I'd go on a tantra course, but I went on a tantra course. And I, I was kind of bad. I kind of promoted orgasmic meditation in the middle of the tantra course. And got, I found this woman there who, who I still own with today. And, um, and yeah, so she came along with me. And over the period of about three or four months, I started just to tell people more and more and more after about three, four months, I had 15 people in London practicing orgasmic meditation. Okay, I want to just press pause here because there was a time in my life where I was, you know, I'd found a community. I was living in Florida and I found a community out in Colorado and, and I was not bringing it back. Like there was this, well, that's over there. And I could have met, and it, was, it was a way for me to stay safe. Yeah, and and not actually trying to integrate that, and so you're you're stepping into the discomfort again of like, well, I'm gonna bring it back. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna, you know, have uncomfortable conversations um, yeah. about what I really want. I just want to. That was another opportunity for you to either play small or step into uh, your truth there. I and I I want to recognize. It could have been so easy for you to just create this story like, well, I can't do that here. That that only happens in San Francisco. Yeah, and definitely not in London because there are British people here for Christ's sake. Like you I've know, heard, there's a lot. There's a lot of British people there. There's a lot of Brit, and they're very British. I tell you, <laughs> you know. And so the idea of this whole clit stroking thing is rather uncomfortable to us. Sure. So this. So you was, got 15 people. Sorry, I interrupted yeah. you. But go ahead. Sure, I got 15 people, and then one taste um, decided to send somebody over to help us. And I was amazed. I was like, oh my God, are we actually going to bring female orgasm to London? Is that actually possible? Was that a dream of yours? Was that something that you wanted to have happen to, to, to try and bring it? Or were you just trying to get, just continue to go? I think it, there came a certain point where we had enough people that I was like, I actually have a community of people now. And they were all looking to me for how to do this thing. You know, they were all like, you know, they loved the practice. And so, you know, I think there came a point where it was kind of like the desire just kind of turned up and I'm like, I guess that's the next thing that I want. Mm. And it was, it was uncomfortable to admit it really was because, Why? you know, it, it was fine going and learning, but then being the leader of a female orgasm community in London of all places in the whole entire world was, it was, it was, it was very uncomfortable for me. And but, you know, I just decided like this, I think this is, I think this is what I am meant to do. And so I just kept on going and I had a lot of support from people in San Francisco. They were very supportive. And then um, one of their senior faculty actually came over and we ran our very first orgasmic meditation class taught by Nicole Daydone herself in London. And, you know, that for me was it was so beautiful that we'd even gotten that far. Like it was so beautiful that out of all of this crazy stuff that we'd done, that that was actually the outcome. And we had 30 people in that class. Nicole flew over from the States to London and she taught a class with us. And every single one of those people was like, I didn't know this was possible. And you know, it was, I, I cried like a baby after that thing. Like, Somebody said to me, uh, one of their senior faculty, Rachel, she said to me, this is on you. And I just cried. I was like, I didn't know that this was the person I could be. Mm. I, did, I didn't know that I could be so big and that I could create something that was much greater than myself. And 
you know, it was just listening to that next right thing that I needed to do that, that had all of this possible. What was it like to have that kind of an impact? Oh, it was such a dream. It was such a dream come true. You know, um, I saw people, I mean, I have a lot of fondness. I have a lot of fondness for a lot of the men who've came in and done this. Um, it was beautiful to watch men who had no idea what to do with women who looked so shut down, walk in and then walk away feeling so turned on and so connected and knowing how to play with a woman finally. And, you know, for me, it was, I mean, God, I, I couldn't let it in for a while. Like I really struggled to let it in because, you know, I was, I just had to remind myself, I was like, I, I'm, I'm changing people's lives mm. and people are actually getting so much from this. I'm really changing people's lives. And so, you know, it took a while for me to, to let all of that in. And, you know, I still have moments like I've, we've been doing this here for 18 months now in London and I still have moments where I just stop and I, I just have to like <sighs> take a deep breath and be like, wow, this all came from me crazily running off to San Francisco to do that. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Yeah. And so you're in it for 18 months. Is it, is, is this, uh, is this, this, you know, the sun is shining and, and you're running off into the sunset. Is that it? Or do you, do you see this as just another chapter, another phase in your life of, of creating and, and helping other people? <laughs> you know, if there's one thing I've learned from female orgasm of all places is that, you know, there's always another chapter. <laughs> I don't think I don't think this is the last chapter for us. I mean, we've we've got classes. We've we did our first class in Paris a month ago. We have classes that are going to happen in Germany. Uh, we've done one in Copenhagen. I wanna I want to bring this thing to Europe, and you know, the vision always gets bigger. And I I think it's at the point now where it's not so much about me thinking of what the vision is. It's, it's actually letting go and let the vision come through and not trying to steer it or control it in any particular direction. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, it's a difficult practice to do, but I think it really does bring the most, uh, the greatest gifts and the greatest impact. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, yeah, I mean, I want to just, you know, this, this really has become my life's work. Like I've, I feel so comfortable here for the first time in my life. So, yeah, I mean, for me, you know, I had the awkward conversation, the female orgasm conversation with my mother. She, come, she comes to the events, right? <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't quite made it yet. <laughs> Hasn't quite. I invite her. I'm like, you should come along. And she's like, you know what? I'll just take your word for it. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a crazy journey. And I think, yeah, there's always another chapter and it's. Well, if you could go back in a, in a time machine, back to the guy that was, you know, in the health and safety department, what would you, if you could really just have a conversation with him, what would you want to tell him? <sighs> the guy that was playing small, yeah. the guy that was doing everything he could to, to keep it all together and not ruffle any feathers and not get out of his comfort zone. I would say there's a risk that you want to take and let yourself take it let it be so uncomfortable for you, make it so uncomfortable for yourself that you can't not take the risk it's kind of like you know it's kind of like going to a shop every day and saying i'm going to buy that thing in the window every day until you actually go up and buy it like i did a lot of <clears throat> i did a lot of window shopping of looking for things to kind of change my life in a way but it wasn't until i was willing to actually take the risk and there was something that I knew to do, you know, there was something that I knew to do and that was to leave my job. And I, I, I didn't know why, and it may not be right for everybody. I'm not encouraging everybody to go out and quit their jobs, but that for me was the thing that I knew to do. And I knew that it felt right to me. And I think we could all use a little bit more of that trust in ourselves that of learning how to follow that thing that that's inside of us that says, this actually feels right. I need to do this. I just want to lay it out there. I see so much daylight between I, you found your way here with orgasmic meditation and Nicole Daydon's work and one taste and everything. But I, I think that there, I just want to help the guy out there that it's not about that, you know, that there's a process yeah. here that you went through, Mark, that was really about you following your fun, 
you being willing to stop bullshitting yourself and, and take risks and just repeating that at every step of the way. And through that process, you began to find pleasure in that discomfort, whether it was having conversations with your mother um, or getting on the other side of things with women, that it just opened up a whole new way of being that you had initially resisted, that that was terrifying for you. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, take out the details of this this conversation that we've had today. I think that that would be the outline. Like you could insert so many different choices and, and places to go. But to me, like it's just being willing to follow that curiosity and take those risks and stay at it and be willing to learn. I, I never heard in there that you expected yourself to be an expert in any of this, that you were always willing to learn. Yeah. Um, Because so many guys are not willing to suck. They don't want to suck at something for a while. They don't want to go through a period where they, they don't, they, they don't feel like they're very good at, at, at whatever. And, and I just appreciate that underneath this was your willingness to let me go learn that. Let me go learn internet marketing. Let me go learn how to do this internet stuff. Let me go learn how to be with a woman in this way. Yeah. And, um, it, it's yeah. so crucial. So I, guys watch out for getting caught up in the content of what Mark's talking about here. It's all great and fantastic. But look at what he's done. It's just one example of how to how to go through this process and, and get out of playing small and, and step into the larger version of yourself. Absolutely. I love it. Mark, thank you so much, man. It's been exciting to to watch you send me these little emails from time to time and I get these little updates on where you are in your adventure. And I guess you what did you email me a couple of weeks ago to update? And I was like, we gotta do a talk. It's time. It's time. It's so happy to be on your show trip. Like this really I have to say, this is one of those things where for you being such a presence during a lot of these transitions for me, I feel truly honored to be on the show. It's a real gift to me. So thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. If these interviews are helping you, then please visit The New Man on iTunes and leave us a positive review so others can discover the show more easily. Thanks for listening.